Welcome back. I'm Michelangelo Cidarelli on Sirius XM Progress 127. Last month, Exodus International, the ministry that had for years, decades, been a ministry that brought in gay people to try to help them live lives as straight people, otherwise known as an ex-gay therapy, announced it was closing its doors, 37 years in operation. Alan Chambers is the president. He apologized to all of the people he hurt through these therapies. Uh, Many people have talked about the traumatic experiences they have had. People have committed suicide uh, after not being successful at, at this conversion therapy. And he issued an apology saying he was sorry. He joins me right now. Uh, to talk about that decision, uh, and it's his second time on the program. We talked to him uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, welcome back to the show, Alan Chambers. Hey, thanks for having me back. Talk a little bit about why you came to this decision. Surely it was something that was coming in time. We all saw this sort of evolution. You were talking more about uh, how people weren't being converted to heterosexuality, how some people were hurt, and then you decided you were shutting down and you issued your apology. Well, you know, it all started um, 12 years ago when I was hired for my position, and and the hiring committee and board of directors asked me um, one final question before they began deliberating um, who they would hire for um, to be the president of Exodus, and they simply asked me, what does success look like for you? And and I said, um, success looks like Exodus going out of business because the church was doing its job. And, you know, at that at that point, I don't know that I, I thought this is where we will end up. Um, but certainly in, in the 12 years that I was leading Exodus, my entire goal was really to see this issue um, take center stage within the church, um, where they were being what the church, in my opinion, was designed to be, and that's a, a place for all people. And so, you know, certainly over the course of the last 18 months, we began talking very, very um, um, concretely about the idea of, of closing the, the ministry. We tried for um, the last 18 months to really modify the organization um, and move it in a new direction. And what we found was with 37 years of um, one type of narrative, um, it was impossible um, for us to um, evolve enough or morph enough into um, a new work to really move beyond the story um, that would always be the story of, of Exodus International. And so um, in the last few months, we decided this has to happen quickly, and there's no better way to do that than in conjunction with an apology for the people um, who were hurt and who um, were expressing um, their stories of, of hurt and trauma. Um, and we felt like that was the best way for us to um, to, to end this um, and to, to start something brand new that had nothing to do with, with what we did before. Well, and I want to talk about that, and maybe this question will bring us into that. Uh, so-called ex-gay therapy, conversion therapy, reparative therapy, obviously Exodus International has been the best-known organization uh, in that regard, but there are many other uh, 
groups and religious uh, faiths that have similar programs. It's always mixed uh, religious faith, uh, Christianity mostly, although there is a, a program among Orthodox Jews as well, but it's mixed religious faith with, with science. Uh, a lot of therapists um, who are uh, not recognized by the mainstream uh, psychological and psychiatric organizations kind of putting forth all this science. Some people have said pseudoscience trying to prove it. It, it always seemed to be a, a very bizarre mix. If there was a science to it, why bring religion in? If it was religious, why bring science in? Yeah, and I think that that was really the downfall of, of Exodus, you know, starting in the, the early 90s, um, even before my time um, in Exodus, you know, we began um, latching on to the whole reparative idea. Um, and reparative therapy, you know, Exodus is, has been an umbrella organization. The majority of people underneath the umbrella of Exodus are, are local um, parachurch-type ministries and not therapists. Um, and I think, though, we latched on to this belief or this idea about what causes homosexuality and linked arms with the therapeutic community. And I do believe um, that caused a, a lot of confusion and a lot of damage to really what should have been, um, as many um, within the, the founding group of, of Exodus will acknowledge, um, it really, um, Exodus should have just simply stayed a support system for people who were looking for an alternative to um, uh, gay life or um, for families who were just simply trying to find support within the reality um, that was their family system. And I think that the therapeutic aspect of it, not to mention the, um, the, the short um, stint that we had in the political component of all of this, really did a um, a significant well, and the and and the idea that you can change sexual orientation, sure, which, which I think is the I think that is really the um, the the scientific side of that, or the the therapeutic side of that. That there was really a goal to um, or a hope that we could change sexual orientation uh, when the the reality is, you know, I in 1991 when I first sought help um, and support from Exodus. Um, while my life has changed dramatically, um, my same-sex attractions haven't. Um, and so I think that that's, we came to that point where um, we had to be very, very, very honest about that. Um, and I think science and, and therapy and all of that only um, served to confuse um, well, really the, the basics of the support that we, that we should have been offering. And I want to come back to that, uh, but are you saying that you... Um, believe that you agree with the American Psychiatric Association, American Psychological Association, that these uh, therapies don't work, they can be uh, harmful to people, uh, that therapists should not be trying to do this, that it is not something that should be part of any uh, therapy that is, um, you know, being carried out by a, a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I, you know, what I believe is when it comes to promising or um, assuring someone or even um, causing someone to expect that they're going to completely eradicate um, a set of feelings or temptations or desires 
um, or that they're going to experience a percentage of change in those desires or feelings. I, I, I think that that sets someone up for tremendous damage. It's, it's setting them up for unrealistic expectations, which can cause them shame and guilt, which none of those things are, are helpful um, for people, whether they're um, completely healthy people or, or vulnerable people who are, are, are searching right. for answers. And so I don't believe, I, I certainly believe, and I, I've said this publicly, we should never be offering this for, um, for minors. I think adults can choose. So you agree with the laws that are that are in California and I elsewhere do. I think, I that think are banning it for minors? Be very careful yeah. um, with what we offer minors, and absolutely, I don't think this is something that we should offer. So I completely agree with that. For adults, I, I think adults can can decide based upon um, all the the facts that are presented, and I think all the facts do need to pre, be presented that they can steward their lives in in the way that they see fit. But I think it it needs to be very very clear up front as the law states right. in California, now, um, that this is the research that's been done. Now, when you appeared on the show a few years ago, um, I think we had a very heated conversation because you were obviously uh, still defending the programs and still arguing this idea uh, of conversion. And, and you've now apologized to the people who were hurt, traumatized. A lot of people, though, are saying, you know, what about the people who lost so many of the years of their lives, uh, what about the people who literally committed suicide and lost their lives, uh, and, and the fact that you and others made a lot of money on, on this or lived your lives, had a livelihood on it? What do you say to them? Well, you know, that's that, for the, the folks who um, have experienced that trauma, the only thing I can do at this point um, is say, I'm sorry. Um, there is nothing more that I can do and then pledge to do something different. Um, I think, you know, what we've done is, is the only thing we could have done. Um, certainly, if, if I could, um, you know, speak to those, to those who have felt trauma um, or shame, and I, and I think this is bigger than just um, an organization. I think this is, you know, and this is really what we're trying to, to remedy in the church at large, is we do cause people a lot of shame and guilt um, based upon, um, decisions that they make or things that um, that they can't control, and and that's where we have to pledge to do something different, which is 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 what we're trying to do these days. Mm-hmm. Now, y- y- you just talked about how obviously you have apologized for these uh, uh, therapies and telling people they can be converted, and uh, obviously people who went through these programs. We've heard from so many of them who had traumatic experiences. But you're you're not um, you're not saying that uh, from a religious perspective, it is um, something you think is wrong uh, for somebody to try not to act on their sexual orientation if they have a religious faith. And you are an evangelical Christian. Uh, you are still married to your wife. So I- explain how you kind of separate that out. You're saying these therapies are harmful. But obviously, you're not. You're admitting that you have same-sex attraction, but you're not saying that you're you're gay, or or are you? And 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 what does that mean? Well, you know, I, there's several questions in there. You know, as far as my life goes, I am married. I am happily married. Um, there's not been one day in the course of um, our nearly 16 years of being married that I've been tempted to be unfaithful to my wife. I do have 
um, what I would consider an orientation towards her. Um, I do have same-sex attractions, but those, those, you know, to say I have same-sex attractions would be the same as if I was a married man um, with opposite-sex attractions. You know, we, um, we give up certain things for the good of, um, of our lives and for the good of our marriage, um, forsaking all others. And that's really, for me with Leslie, that's not hard to do. I am attracted to my wife in, in every single way. Um, that I, as a married man, need to be attracted to my wife, and our life um, is amazing. Um, and so there would, you know, for am I a gay man? You know, some people would say you're gay simply because you have these attractions. Some people would say you're straight because I'm married. Um, some people say I'm ex-gay because I'm not living a gay life. And I just think all of those labels um, or tropes. Well, but, I mean, is it wrong for someone to act on them? You're not acting on them. You're trying to control them. Uh, because of your religious faith and, and, well, obviously you've been in this relationship and you care about that, uh, is it wrong if somebody does act on their sexual orientation? You know, my belief about um, sexual expression hasn't changed. And yet, um, I believe that within um, my faith, certainly, um, and not everybody is, is of my faith perspective, but even within my faith perspective, I don't think anyone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ um, is um, damaging their relationship with Jesus Christ or um, uh, compromising in their relationship with Jesus to act on their um, their orientation. Um, You're respecting those who are religious but are openly identified as gay and, and are acting on their sexual orientation. Absolutely. That's not for me to decide. I do have a, a set of opinions and beliefs about those things, but those are mine. Um, it's not my right or my job or my God-given duty um, to, um, to address those things in someone else's life other than my own. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone wants my opinion, I'm glad to give it, but I think you know, far more often than not, um, we as Certainly, we in the church need to be careful when we give our opinions, and I think we've led um, with our opinions. We've built a whole entire religion and system around our opinions, and that's something that I think has to change. Mm -hmm. My guest, Alan Chambers, uh, who for the past 12 years was president of Exodus Exodus International, the flagship ex-gay ministry, now shutting its doors. He has apologized for the uh, damage that they may have caused people who went through the trauma of going through these ex-gay therapies. I'm Michelangelo Cigarelli on Sirius XM Progress 127. But here's something that uh, I'm grappling with and I'm thinking about in this regard. We, we grow up in a society that is anti-gay. We grow up in a society in which churches have for many years now condemned homosexuality uh, and and attacked it. We all grow up this way, no matter what our religious faith is, even if we grow up in non-religious families. It's a society that condemns homosexuality. And I think every single one of us who is gay and comes, you know, comes to term with it as a young person uh, thinks, I don't, I don't want to do this. The society is not embracing it, not telling you you're okay. And I mean, I think every one of us would have said, is there a way I can change this. And I think that's why a lot of people went to these ex-gay therapies. But as long as there's still a religious component uh, that is saying, yes, we can help you to control your sexual orientation, 
aren't we still going to see people trying to do this when they really can't or, or shouldn't do it and, and, and feeling bad about themselves? I mean, there are people who probably have no religious faith, but f- that, that homophobia, that internalized homophobia is so strong on them that they will actually become an evangelical Christian to try to control these urges. And I guess I, I just would say that what, what is operating there? Is that free will or is that homophobia in the society? Well, you know, I, I think we have to respect free will because God gave it to us. You know, and I, I, I look at um, where we're at today as a culture, and certainly we have made enormous strides. And I think that the strides that we've made in culture have benefited the church, you know, the openness, the, um, the embrace of people. Um, and that is something I believe that is positively impacting the church in the, in the sense that we – even within the evangelical community, which I, I use that term for myself very, very loosely these days, um, I, we have to um, really realize that we're not here to cause people to be good like we are good or to act like we are good or to define people um, in their relationship with Christ or, or as human beings based upon um, any one set of, of circumstances or realities. And so I, I think that we have to make some changes in our culture, and we're making those changes and within the church. But, but I mean, do you believe people should follow this path that you did to control their sexual orientation because of a religious belief? I mean, I will tell you that I will do whatever I can to tell people, no, be who you are. You are normal and natural and healthy and you can follow all of your dreams and be openly gay. And, and I would you know, strongly tell people, no, do not go this route of Alan Chambers. So are, would you tell a young person, yes, you should try to control your sexual orientation, your, your sexual urges, and, be, and live a heterosexual life? See, I don't think it's my right to say that. You know, for me, what I believe is that we should allow people um, to live um, their life in the way that they see fit. And when someone is an adult... They can make those decisions. I think we should be very, very careful um, with the, the messages and the things that we um, say and share um, with, with minors. I think we should um, let Well, you know that all of this, I mean, we all come to terms with our sexual orientation from a very young age, and especially now people are coming out as gay or, or coming to terms with their gender identity at sure, a Sure, and I think we need to acknowledge age. those things for, for, for sure, and I think parents um, need to work with their kids um, and talk with them openly and allow those things to be expressed um, in conversation and, um, and respected in conversation. You know, I work with and have spoken with a number of parents who have gay teenagers, kids in high school, and my, my um, recommendation to them is, hey, this is a part of your kid's life, and so pretend... But, I mean, are, is your ministry now, is your, is your church still going to... If somebody comes and says, I want to not act on my sexual orientation, are you going to show them a way to do that through, through your religious faith? That's not, that's, not what, that's not what our new organization will be about at all. You know, if someone comes and says, hey, I, um, this is what I believe about my sexuality and this is what I want to do with it, well, absolutely we're going to encourage someone um, or give them encouragement um, if they say they want to live their lives in a celibate way, whether they're gay or straight, if someone comes to us and says, "We're, um, I'm a, I'm gay and I'm 
um, I have a partner or I want a partner, who am I to tell them that they should or shouldn't um, live in that way? That's not my right. Again, if someone wants to know what I believe, look at how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they want me to, uh, no one needs me to endorse um, their the the beliefs that they have. I'm going to share my life um, with anybody who wants to share it with me. I have neighbors who believe all sorts of different things on political, social, and religious spectrums, and we're neighbors and we live our lives together. We share our lives with one another. They're the dearest people in in my wife's and my life, and. Um, we don't make a, a big deal over the things um, that we differ on. Mm-hmm. We're, we're finding things in common with them. If they want to know what I believe, they really don't even have to ask. They know how I live my life, and, and the same for them. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's how we treat um, our neighbors all around us, whether they um, are our neighbors in close proximity, the people that go to our church, or the people we run into on the streets every day. Um, I think we have to be careful with how we share our opinions and um, and the things that we say people should or shouldn't do, mm-hmm. um, people can make those decisions for themselves. As a society, I think we make decisions based upon the biggest of those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're seeing that play out every day in all sorts of ways. And um, that's something that as a citizen of, of the culture we live in, um, I weigh in on and um, at the end of the day have to respect um, the way the majority um, have decided that we govern ourselves um, in this country and in the world we live in. Mm-hmm. I imagine then you're okay with gay marriage. Well, it's not for me to be okay with or not okay with. If if we as a culture have decided um, this is, is what we believe is best for gay and lesbian people, um, th- of course, I have gay and lesbian loved ones, um, friends, neighbors, um, and I mm-hmm. share my life with them no differently than I share my life with anybody else. My life looks differently than theirs does and vice versa, and that just is what it is. Okay. We have far more in common um, than we do um, differences, and that's where we live our life. Well, I want to thank you for uh, coming back on the program and uh, speaking with me. Glad to, anytime. Uh, Alan Chambers, president of the now-closing-down uh, Exodus International, ex-gay ministry for 37 years. We are back in a couple of minutes. 